What is up, guys? Welcome to Creeps in the Crypt. As always, I am Eric, and I am joined by... Christian. And Sam. And tonight we have a fucking, um, just an awesome so subject. Excited. It's It's going to be a two-part series. It's going to blend everything that this show's about, really. I'm so excited. True crime and the paranormal and it just, just everything. Demons. Yeah. A little bit, a little touch of like urban legend. Yeah, a li- little bit of everything. A little bit no of conspiracy. Cryptids, no cryptids, but. No. Uh, if there would have been a cryptid in here, that would have been like, just like panty wedding nonsense. Yes. But before we get into tonight's topic, we have a Apple podcast review. Oh, hell yeah. So, Slave to Journeys uh, gave us five stars. Good as advertised. Love the harmonious blend of sex, death, and comedy. Fucking great. What? <laughs> Co-hosts do a good job of informing the audience while getting down to the dirty with some dark humor. We'll be back for more. Oh yeah. I, I fucking love that. That's awesome. That if DM me if that was you. Yeah. Seriously. Did we just become best friends? Yeah. I need to know who this person is. Same. Freaking awesome. They're fucking awesome. That's that's probably one of my favorite reviews. I love that. You get a number one tombstone after that. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Top fan badge. <laughs> but uh, tonight, we are going to be covering the infamous Amityville Horror House. Oh, you got to give a better intro than that, Eric. Well, the house is iconic. Oh, so iconic. It, I know. Like, when you look at the old pictures of the house, not the new ones, because they've renovated it, but the the top windows look like eyes. I love it. Staring at you. I wish you they would have left the it alone. I know why they changed it though, because they wanted to like renovate it, make well, it more modern. They didn't just change the the look; they changed the fucking address. So it's not what one twelve Ocean it, no, Avenue. It's one oh eight now. So they just why? Well, all right. So famous like murder houses, they often change the addresses of, like, to stop people like us from showing up unannounced. Well, my stepdad grew up on Long Island, so he was pretty close. Well, Oyster Bay. I don't really know how close Oyster Bay is to Amityville. I don't know anything about that area, and I'm not going to pretend to do. No, but he, I mean, he knows where it is, so if you ever want to go to Long Island. But yeah, Uh, 112 Ocean Avenue in Amityville is the most iconic haunted house probably in all of history mm-hmm. i would say i mean what what do you guys think i don't know of any other haunted house on that level no, no. not where the address is like if you name out the address that people know it's i mean it's known for just, its haunting even if you just say amityville most people you don't even have to say they where asso- it is yeah they associate they, it with the house yeah And it is, but even before, like, the film, like, before the film, because the film came out, what, like, four years after they were doing it. Yeah, well, it was a book before it was a movie. Yes. I didn't know there was a book about it. There was a book, and then there was the movie, and then when the movie came out is really when the interviews really started pouring in, but we'll get into that, because I'm sure that's all in the, in the As most of you know. 24 minutes apart. There you go. Wow, okay. But as most of you know, the Amityville house 
is not just a site of a famous haunting. It's a site of a family slaying, a mass murder. And that's what we'll be covering tonight is the murder of the DeFeo family. And then next week we'll pick up with the haunting. All the spooky shit. Yes. And our intern has arrived. <gasps> Lucy! Our executive producer is a little under the weather and not feeling great. So Lucy will be interning this episode she just in, all of, in all of her creepy fashion that yeah. she does. Shows up. <laughs> and our assistant's asleep, so. Yeah. All right. Well, Sam, without further ado, let's get into this. All right. 112 Ocean Avenue in Amityville, Long Island, New York, is one of the most famous addresses for those interested in horror, true crime, and the paranormal. So we got a trifecta going on. Definitely. Love this. The real-life horror story began on November 13, 1974, when a 23-year-old man named Ronald DeFeo Jr. fatally shot his parents and his four younger siblings while they were asleep in their home in Amityville, New York. The family included Ronald DeFeo Sr. and Louise DeFeo and their five children, Ronald Jr., Don, Allison, Mark, and John Matthew. I love when boys have two names. I just love Why? that shit. I don't know. I just, I just like it. I don't understand the two. Lines. I don't know. Is that I some just... like redneck shit or something? No, it's like no. a very old world thing. I like it. Ricky um. Bobby. <laughs> no. You're going to compare this to Ricky Bobby? Ricky Bobby. No. He's got two first I... names. For about nine years, the family lived in a three-story home at 112 Ocean Avenue, not far from South Oyster Bay, which is where my stepdad's from. The house had a swimming pool in the back and a statue of St. Joseph holding a baby Jesus on the front lawn. Have I been chosen? No. 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 On the outside, the DeFeos appeared to live happy lives on Long Island during the early 1970s. One of their neighbors described them as, quote, a nice, normal family. But the DeFeos were a very different family behind closed doors. I have been chosen. <laughs> Ronald DeFeo Sr. managed an auto dealership, a job that certainly couldn't support the family's lavish lifestyle. Instead, most of their money came from Louise's father, Michael Brigante. Mm -hmm. Is that? That sounds right. Sure. If I said it wrong, don't tell me. Who purchased the family's home for them, allowing them to move out of their small Brooklyn apartment? Brigante later later gave his son-in-law about fifty thousand dollars to have the family portraits painted. So, for all the wealth and luxury that Ronald, or Big Ronnie, DeFeo Sr. showed off, he had, in truth, earned very little of it himself. Big Ronnie was also reportedly an abusive and violent man. Most often, he took his anger and frustration out on his eldest child, Ronald DeFeo Jr., who usually went by Butch. Any kid named Butch is going to have issues. Well, Yeah. He had, a, he had a couple nicknames, but the most prominent one was Butch. But yeah, 
basically Big Ronnie would just like beat the shit out of the family and then shower them with money to make you know to make it feel like it's okay. Money that wasn't technically even his. Well, it was it was family money. You know what I'm saying? Not his family money. Louise's family money. But that that was his whole mo is he would like beat the fuck out of the kids or Louise and then you know bring them a ton of gifts and shit. Classic. As Butch grew up, he struggled to find any common ground with his father, which I can't imagine why. I wonder why. Right? Butch was also bullied at school for being overweight. The kids called him names like Pork Chop and The Blob, which I knew a bouncer named Pork Chop, but he was really cool. That's got to fuck a kid up. You know, like being known as The Blob or Pork Chop. Yeah. Like, not not like even a bully thing. Like, just everybody calls you pork chop. That, that's got to, like, wear thin on your fucking psyche, you know? Yeah. I got made fun of for being a gender in middle school. So. There you go. I can, I sort of relate, I guess. I don't really know. I got made fun of. I mean, I feel like everybody did at some point in time in their childhood. I feel like if you haven't been bullied in the slightest you're lying yeah i feel like everybody's been bullied at some point in their lives his father encouraged him to stand up to the bullies and fight back which is never good advice i don't know i feel like it is because if if you don't stand up to the bullies. They're just going to treat you like they're, you know, you're their bitch. Well, yeah, but not fight it's back. Like, go get me a fucking drink, pork chop. I mean, yes, yeah, stand up for yourself, but don't don't fight back. You know, like that's never yeah, fucking fight back. If you're getting bullied, fight back. Just don't, you know, gun down anybody. That's not cool. Well, no, <laughs> never cool. By his teenage years, he had lost most of that weight. As Butch got older, his temper became worse than his father's. He and his father often had physical altercations. Butch DeFeo is described as unpredictable. His temper would flare for no reason. His parents became concerned and even sent him to a psychiatrist. Oh, God. Yeah, right? Well, at one point, they even the psych. Uh, the psychiatrist even told them if you don't get him some actual professional help, like send him away, he's going to kill you. Mm -hmm. Wow. What foreshadowing? <laughs> Imagine yeah, that. I mean, they, they tried to tell the family, like get him some professional help, like, like real commit him and yeah. fucking maybe he'll have a chance at like figuring it out, but they didn't. <clears throat> and we all know how that ends up. Shocker. Parents not helping their obviously mentally ill child and then end up being murdered by them. Well, Where have we heard that narrative I, Well, before? I'm sure it's also the stigma of like, oh, they had to send him off up, you know, the family had to send upstate. him off upstate. I would rather be talked about for getting my child help yeah, but than be in the news store for being murdered by said child. It's also the 70s. Uh, that's fair, but... So different, different line of thinking. I guess. I mean, it's still looked down, really kind of looked down upon even today in 2023. Yeah, it, it, no, it is. But 
I'd rather be alive than be murdered by my child. Yeah, who's real fucked up. Yeah. Because of your shitty parenting. I'm just trying to not raise a psycho or a serial killer. I'm just kind of letting it happen. Oh, then that's why I sleep with the door locked. <laughs> He's too sweet. I don't think so. You said I was talking about him. Well, she sleeps in the bed with you, so. Mm-hmm. He knew what he got himself into. Yeah. Could be the cats. You never know. They sleep in the bed with you, too. Sometimes. <laughs> anyway. After psychiatry failed, they resorted to giving Butch whatever he wanted, including a speedboat. Just throw money at the problem. Well, the house had, like, a boat house. Well, yeah, but that doesn't mean you give your child who has problems a fucking speedboat. That's That's not how you fix the issue. Like I said, beat the shit out of him and shower him with gifts and money. Yeah, not how that, not how that should work. Sorry, I beat your ass last night. Here's a speedboat. Uh? No, can't relate. Can't relate. No. He and his father still had their usual violent fights, even as Ronald Senior placated his son with money and material possessions. Due to his behavior, Butch was asked to leave Amityville High at age 17. After leaving school, he began to use LSD and heroin. His behavior became increasingly unpredictable and violent. While he was on a hunting trip with friends, Butch aimed his rifle at a man he knew since childhood. The man left, and when Butch saw his friend later that day, he asked him why he left so soon. Why'd you fucking leave? Yeah. All I did was put a rifle up to you. Can't imagine why the guy left. It was a funny joke. Ha ha. At age 18, he began working for his father and was given a weekly paycheck whether or not he showed up for work. Wow, I wish I could have that job. Seriously, where is that job at? (laughs) How do you apply? (laughs) Right? Nepo babies. God, jeez. I don't even want to. Never mind. Nepotism. Oh. Thought I was going to be much much worse than that. No. Okay. Butch worked in the service department doing oil changes, tune-ups, and washes. He admitted that he took advantage of working for the family. He once told a psychiatrist that he could do whatever he wanted on the job because his father was his boss. As someone who works for her mother, mine don't work that way. Yeah. My dad owns a dealership. I've worked for my mother before, and my mom can attest to this. There is no, you get your own way. You get to do whatever you want to. Hell no. I wish. Right? Shit. Shit, my mom will text me, like, a funny TikTok, like, at work, and I'll say, I have to watch it later, and she's like, why can't you watch it now? And I'm like, I don't work for you, woman. I actually have a real job. Ma'am, do you sign my paychecks? Yeah. No? I have to remind her of that boss mentality sometimes. Mm. It's really funny. (laughs) So, Deborah Constantino, a server at the Chatterbox, where Butch DeFeo frequently drank with friends, said that he was usually a nice guy except for when he drank. Shocker. 
She recalled him throwing bar stools and pool cues. I'm not sure which is more dangerous. It's like the indoor lawn dart. <laughs> oh, no. Sherry Klein, his girlfriend at the time of the murders, also recalls an incident when Butch went to her apartment with some friends. They became very rowdy, and when she tried to calm Butch down, he shoved her across the room. She reportedly climbed through a window and went to her parents' house to get away from him. If you, if I have to leave my own home to get away from you, it ain't working, my guy. We doing something wrong, and you need to leave. Good luck telling him that. Let's fucking shoot him then. Not if he gets you first. Well, TBD. He, he might have help from some outside forces. <laughs> we'll get there. Neighbors described an incident with a woman named Mrs. Nemeth. She said that Butch accused her daughter of throwing rocks at a religious shrine that the DeFeos had in their front yard. Yeah, they had like a Virgin Mary statue in their front yard. I thought it was Saint. I thought it said. It might have been Saint. It was Saint Joseph holding uh, baby Jesus. There you go. That's what it was. When she insisted that her daughter wouldn't do something like that, Butch became angry and began yelling at her. He said that if she were a man, he'd punch her in the face, and that if her husband had a problem, he'd punch him in the face. <laughs> That's something I would say. That's the most New York shit I've Sam, ever heard. Sam, can you test that? <laughs> that is the most New York shit I've ever heard. I love it. I mean, I've never come so close to punching a grown man in the face in the night we went to Molly Darcy's. I believe that. Mm. I believe it. It's an Irish bar where we hang out at. Yes. And I had to explain to said man that this was not the smoke that he wanted. I am never the smoke you want. No. Literally ever. As, so as Mrs. Nemeth walked away, neighbors said he followed her and continued yelling. What a guy. In the weeks leading up to the murder, Butch threatened his father with a gun during an argument. His father trusted him with making a $20,000 deposit for the dealership. That's fucking stupid. Yeah. Let, let me give $20,000 to my fucking son that's high on acid right now. The, Who doesn't show up to work half the time yeah. and threatens neighbors. Seems like a great idea. What could go wrong? Butch said that the money was stolen and his father didn't believe him. No shit. Right. When police questioned Butch about the robbery, he was described as being uncooperative and even violent. What do you mean you don't believe me? I told you he got stolen. Right. Like that. Yeah, I'm such a stand up guy. Why don't you believe me? I tell the truth all the time. In November of 1974, Butch was 23 years old and still working for his father. He was on probation at the time. He pled guilty to having a stolen outboard motor. That's a that's a boat thing, right? Yeah. I'm guessing. I believe so. Okay. Don't quote me on that. Me either. It just sounds something boaty. I don't know. I just ride them. I drink on them. I don't Fair purchase enough. things for them. So. 
He kept. He admitted he kept the job at the dealership because he could come and go as he pleased. Plus, he needed pay stubs to show his probation officer. I say again, what a guy. He's really batting a thousand in life. Right? Butch's ongoing conflict with his father came to a violent head when he fatally shot Ronald DeFeo Sr. with a 35 caliber Marlin rifle as he slept during the early hours of November 13, 1974. But of course, he didn't just kill his father. He also turned the gun on his mother, Louise DeFeo. Then, 23-year-old Butch went into the bedrooms where his siblings were sleeping and murdered 18-year-old Don, 13-year-old Allison, 12-year-old Mark, and 9-year-old John Matthew with the same weapon. After killing his family, Butch took a shower, got dressed, and collected incriminating evidence. I mean, I guess he's thorough. As much of it as he could. But what's crazy is that the gun never woke up anybody. Nobody heard the gunshots. That's a loud fucking rifle. Yeah. That's like an ear ringer, dude. Yeah. So he shot his father twice in the back. He supposedly shot his mother twice in the back and then worked his way throughout the house one by one shooting the rest of the family. There is no fucking way nobody heard that, including the neighbors. Oh, yeah. I think the neighbors only said, like, one neighbor down the street said that they only heard the family dog barking. That's the only thing that they heard. Well, whenever Hurricane Matthew rolled through, we were up at uh, a friend's lake house. Mm -hmm. And the house next door. So we were at, like, if you're looking at the house, the bedroom I slept in was all the way to the right. Yeah. At, like, the very end of the house. So there was like the side yard and then the next house. Well, a fucking tree fell through the damn house next door. I heard nothing. I, a tree literally fell through a yeah, house and I heard nothing. We're talking, I don't know. Gunshots are pretty fucking. Tree. But gunshots are pretty fucking distinct, too. Well, yeah. Especially at three in the fucking morning. Yeah, I couldn't tell you when the tree fell but i i didn't hear shit i mean it was like a big one i don't know i'm just saying something ain't right i agree there's no way that (laughs) that many people are that hard sleepers especially in the house yeah especially outside the house if he's already had an altercation with one of his neighbors you think she'd be on like high alert especially like three in the morning yeah Mm -hmm. On his way to work, he threw the evidence, including the gun, into a storm drain. Then he just went about his day. Let's read John list of him. He feigned ignorance as to why his father hadn't shown up for work as planned and even called him. As the day went on, he decided to leave work and spend the afternoon with his friends, making sure to mention to all of them that he couldn't get in touch with his family for some reason. Let's just plant that seed. Yeah, I don't know what's going on. I can't get in touch with my family. Even though I live with them. Nobody's picking up the phones. Ma! The Ma, pick up the phone! <laughs> the meatloaf! I just watched that movie like not long ago. 
Then he prepared for the, quote, discovery of his family's bodies. In the early evening, Butch ran to a nearby bar screaming for help. He told the patrons that there that someone had shot his family and begged them to come back with him to his house. First off, no, I'm not going to a bar full of strangers. Come back to my house. My whole family's been murdered. I don't know, dude. If somebody ran into a house like a bar and said that with me, or, or actually all three of us there, and we've had a few drinks. The spectacle alone would be... I didn't say if it happened to us, we wouldn't go. I'm just saying, I, if my whole family was murdered, I wouldn't run to a bar. But if we were in the bar when... You're about to have another... When he came through. Lucy interrupts. (laughs) She's like, I don't like this episode. (laughs) (laughs) She said, that's enough talking. Attention's on me now. So, the bar patrons get get to the DeFeo house, and there, the shocked the shocked bargoers were greeted by a truly horrific scene. Each member of the DeFeo family was found lying face down in bed with a fatal bullet wound. Ronald DeFeo Sr. and Louise DeFeo had both been shot twice, and their children had been shot one time each. Police arrived at the scene and found an in-shock Ronald DeFeo Jr. waiting for them. One thing to note, though, about the bar is it was, like, just a couple blocks away from the house. Why didn't you call so the police they, first? You see all these assholes just piled in the back of a fucking car, like, in a car and going to this murder house. Trampling through the crime scene, by the way. Of course they did. Yeah. Why wouldn't they? Deputy Chief Medical Examiner Howard Adelman would later determine that the DeFeo family bled to death in their beds due to gunshot wounds. Ronald DeFeo Sr., age 43, was shot twice in the lower back. One bullet exploded into his kidney and exited his right nipple onto the bed. That is a very odd trajectory. Uh, it depends on the angle he shot him at, though. Um, it, it just seems very... Because if it goes in... Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, like, it, from like a, an like angle. Like, a side. Yeah. Like, if he's standing back and shooting down. I guess. It just seems like a very odd trajectory to me. I don't me. think he shot his dad point blank. I think he walked in the room and just... Pop out. Well, not like that, but like... Yeah. Like that. But... Semantics. The other entered the base of the spine and was lodged in his neck. Ronald DeFeo Sr. could have been alive a few seconds to several minutes after being shot. The waistband of his shorts was pulled down a bit, indicating that he had moved upward as he died. That's so sad. Mm-hmm. Louise DeFeo, also age 43, was shot twice. The bullets entered her right flank and chest. One bullet landed on the mattress and the other came out in the middle of her chest. It re-entered her left breast and wrist. So I guess that means she was like... Yeah. Cuddled up. Hello, sir. Get situated. 
The bullet shattered her ribcage, splintered bone, and destroyed most of her right lung, diaphragm, and liver. Although face down, her chest was slightly raised from the bed and her body was turned to the right. The medical examiner said that she could have been alive for several minutes after being shot, as many as 10 minutes. Her position indicated that she may have woken up, raised her upper body off the bed, and possibly looked toward the bedroom doorway in the killer's direction. Mark, age 12, and John Matthew, age 9, were both shot in the back at close range. The medical examiner determined that the killer stood between the beds less than two feet away. Is that considered, like, point blank because it's so close? Pretty much. I mean... Okay. The, I mean, that's about as point point blank as point blank can get without putting the gun up to him. Yeah. Like pressing it onto him. Yeah. The bullets penetrated the liver, diaphragm, lungs, and heart of each boy. The bullets went through the boy's mattresses mattresses and into the box springs. John's spinal cord was severed, which may have caused involuntary twitching in the lower body. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like, after he died? Like, as he was dying, yeah. Butch DeFeo even says in an interview, like, one thing that he remembers is watching his brother's leg twitch as he died. Oh, my God. No, thank you. Allison, age 13, was shot once in the face from less than two feet away. She may have turned around and saw the muzzle of the gun. That's fucking horrific. The bullet entered her left cheek and moved to her right ear. It then tore into her brain and damaged her skull. The bullet exited, ripped through the mattress, and hit the back wall and ricocheted to the floor. Dawn, age 18, was shot at the back of the neck from two and a half feet away. The bullet entered just below her left ear and blasted through the left temple onto her pillow. The left side of her face collapsed, brain particles mixed with blood, saturating the pillow. Horrific. These kind of remind me of, well, not even, maybe not remind me, but it's as the gore level reminds me of the Caddy Cabin murders. Oh, yeah. Like, definitely. Um, The staging of the, I can't even see. I can't even really call it staging of the bodies. He either. didn't move them. He never moved them. No. But they were all sleeping in the same fucking position. Like, that's crazy. Well, me and Adeline sleep in the same kind of positions most of the time. Yeah, but what I'm saying is, like, it's almost as if somebody was holding the bodies down. Like, hold, like, there were, well, we'll get, we'll get more into that. Okay. Butch told police he stayed home from work the day before with an upset stomach. He said that he watched a late night movie, which was Castle Keep, starring Burt Lancaster. Fucking great movie. I've never seen it. I highly recommend it. And he fell asleep around 2 a.m. in the TV room. He awoke at 4 a.m. with pains in his stomach and said that he saw his brother Mark's wheelchair outside the bathroom door. He had broken his leg playing football. So his kid was handicapped. Well, not handicapped, but like, damn. He wasn't. He wasn't gonna run away. Let's put it that way. Damn. He said that he saw the bathroom light on from under the door and heard the toilet flush. 
He said that he was well-rested from the day before, so he decided to go to work. He ate at a luncheonette. Whatever the fuck that is. It's like a little diner. Okay. I've never heard it called that before. Butch went to work, left early, and saw his girlfriend and some friends. At first, Butch claimed the murders had to have been committed by a man named Louis Fellini, which is a pseudonym for what? He was, he was a... Oh, got it. Yeah. Okay. He he, uh, he did wet work for uh, some some people. He did some things for some people. Yeah. <laughs> Got an offer you can't refuse. <laughs> Way to make it obvious. Who? Uh, oh, Butch said was a mafia hitman was literally the next sentence. I'm fine. He said that a few years ago, Fellini and his wife had lived with his family for a little while after their house burned down in Brooklyn. He said that Fellini had a key to the house in which he buried a box of money and jewels. Butch also said that he had a violent argument with Fellini after he and his wife moved. Fellini criticized a paint job that Butch had done for the dealership. He described throwing a brush at Fellini, breaking the window behind him. He also said that he called Fellini a cocksucker. He said that his father told him that Fellini was a professional hitman and that Butch didn't know what he had done by calling him names. I mean, that's fair. That's fair. Now the whole family's going to get whacked. Everybody except Butch DeFeo, fuck off. He wasn't worth whacking. No. I don't Sometimes buy it. Sometimes you gotta Those rub. are not worth whacking. Fair. Bush whacking. Ah, <laughs> Butch whacking. You got where I was going with it. Thank you. I was hoping somebody was going to get it, and Eric was there with it. Uh, Served it up, and he spiked it in. I'm going to spike it in later. <laughs> and there's there's normal Sam discuss. We are on schedule. Yeah. <laughs> As usual. Check. Yep, check the box of that. Salem, are you licking your penis throughout the damn episode? On the... I forget what their names are. <laughs> Oh, there's a scully couple. Butch also said that two weeks before the murders, during the argument regarding the robbery, his father said that not only did he have to worry about this phony robbery, but he also had to worry about losing a friend, which Louis Fellini is who meant. He said that Butch's argument with Louis put him in a position where he had to tell Louis that if anything happened to Butch... And he was going to kill Louis Fellini's entire family. Now we have like a mafia feud going on or some yeah, shit. Like This shit goes wild. What in the fuck? Butch's father told him that now because of Butch, he had to watch out for Ma and the kids. So literally hide your kid, hide your wife. Yeah, hide you your got- kids, hide your wife. We're going to murder everybody. You can't whack my family. I'm going to rub your family out. As he spoke to investigators, Butch told them about some of his criminal activity. 
He admitted to burglarizing a neighbor's home with a friend to, to steal antiques to sell. He also admitted to using heroin and told them about <coughs> being on probation. When he was asked about the how he was getting away with using drugs on probation, Butch told them that Dawn was providing him with urine samples. He prefaced his confessions by saying that he wanted to be completely honest with them. He kept emphasizing this, meaning that if he was willing to admit all of these things to police, then he must be telling the truth about the murders. Yeah, which is a real harebrained way of trying to get away with a murder. I mean, it's kind of like, look what I'm doing over here while the magic trick's happening over yes. here. Well, it's a real shitty concept, though. It's like I didn't say it was a good one. Yeah, it's it's harebrained. But what do you expect from somebody that's abusing heroin and doing acid all the time? He got kicked out of high school yeah. and started using LSD and heroin. So that's what, like, four years of drug use? Yeah. Five years? Six like years? A good, a good amount of time. A good chunk of his life. Uh, six years. A quarter of his life. Yeah. yeah. So he's already not the sharpest. And he's, he's definitely unstable already. A thousand percent. He also added that the police should look for the box that Louis Fellini hid with all the money and the jewels. He said that if they found the box empty or didn't find the box at all, that meant he must have been there. Of course, the police never found the box. Butch's grandfather, Michael Brigante Sr., arrived on the scene with his son-in-law, Vincent Procida? Procida? Eh, sure. Don't tell me if I said it wrong. <laughs> Just it sounded right. Don't even bother. It's something Italian. Yes. Go with your best. We got it. Go with your best. Me and Joey Pepperoni. Are... I'm not gonna do that, but I will at least attempt to say it. They were both asked about Butch and Louis Fellini. His grandfather said that he knew Louis and that he was a great guy. He said that he didn't know where Louie lived and didn't know his phone number, which, why would you ever admit that? Yeah, it's not like Brigante's got Joey doing work for him at all. He's described as seeming insulted when asked if he thought Louis Fellini committed the murders. When he asked about his grandson, Michael Brigante said that he was a wonderful grandson and that he was very proud of him. Of what? Dude, there was like family, extended family members that heard about this. and They're like, oh, Butch did it. Like 100% Butch did it. Jesus. Again, he's described as insulted when asked if Butch could have committed the murders. Because it's all about optics, dude. It's all about optics. Well, so, yeah, I mean, I guess you don't want any more spotlight on you if you're in the mafia than you normally do. Well, it's I about keeping your fucking your shit clean. Yeah, keep and the nose clean. Like Is you that don't the same? you don't want to put the stigma on the family, right? That, you know, Procida, Procida, anywhere. You didn't you have it. Is there? Yeah. The effort close enough is yes. there. there. Didn't know who Louis Fellini was, but said that he knew that Butch was involved with drugs. 
He didn't think Butch was capable of committing the murders, though. Lies. Anyway, as police continued searching the DeFeo home, they found the 35 caliber Marlin rifle. It wasn't among... Well, they, they found a box of the ammo. They retrieved the rifle later on. Oh, okay. This just says the rifle. It yeah, didn't say that. That was my bad. It wasn't... So the actual firearm wasn't among the other firearms in Butch's room, but in a separate box with a twenty two caliber the ammo. He was a gun nut. He he liked guns too. So Red flag. Yep. Not not in general, because I'm pro pew pew, but in this case, red flag. You don't give your, your kid who uh is Has- definitely got some issues a bunch of guns. No. I barely should have a gun, but here we are. Here we are. Mm-hmm. Investigators learned that Butch was a gun buff and that in the weeks leading up to the murders, he was looking to purchase a suppressor. Funny how that timing works out. Yeah. Anyway, after finding the murder weapon, police focused their investigation on Butch DeFeo. When police questioned him again, Butch continued to insist that they needed to find Louis Fellini. When he was asked if he ate dinner with the family that night, they found Butch's attitude toward his family wasn't that of a grieving son and big brother. This is probably the the most fucked up shit about this entire deal is what he has to say about his family. Yeah, he said that he didn't eat dinner with his family that night. And when they asked why, he said that it it was because his mother, Louise, was a lousy cook and that she'd made some brown shit in a bowl for dinner that he wasn't going to eat. Ma just, she made shit. She made shit all the time. Oh, my God. Kids are the biggest critics on cooking with Jesus. I feel like, A, if they allegedly were mafia adjacent or affiliated wouldn't they be good cooks or like have someone cook I for them like that no, no 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 i mean maybe not that i know they're not like a um we're not talking about like good fellas prison sauce recipe where it's like prison sauce yeah that sounds suspicious i don't like i don't like the sound of that that sounds like tiny. Well, it's like from- one of those recipes that they hand down, like to family to family type shit for 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 the the gravy. <laughs> the gravy. The gravy. They don't call it fucking sauce. They call it gravy. No, they don't. Yes, they, they do. fucking do, man. Yes, they do. I thought I've seen a TikTok about. I feel like I have seen a TikTok about them there's, calling it gravy. There's. Yeah. Marinara. No. And then there's gravy, which is like the mother. She's the sauce that they use for everything. Yeah, man. It's the gravy. It's the gravy. Sunday gravy. You ever heard of that before? Yeah. No. Yeah. It's like I'm gravy. not, a, I, I don't have an Italian bone in my body, nor do I pretend to. So. My stepdad's Italian. Why don't you ask him about it? I will. Ask, ask my aunt Diane. Ask, ask, ask my aunt Diane. Ask him about the Sunday gravy. Ask him about the gabagoo. The gabagoo. I'll ask my aunt Diane. She sent us uh, fresh, well, not well, as fresh as they could be, uh, cookies from an Italian bakery on Long Island for Christmas. 
There you go. So That's Italian. She would know what gravy is. I'm going to ask Aunt Diane. I'll get back to you. Or if there someone, if I don't hear from her in time, someone of Italian descent. Fill well, Sam in on, on what y'all call sauce, please. Yeah. When asked about his family, he had nothing nice to say. Butch didn't. He described his brothers, Mark and John Matthew, as fucking pigs, which, ew, they are children. The, the fucking pigs. They shit everywhere. There's fucking garbage everywhere. They stink like shit. Okay, first off, they're boys. They're supposed to stink. Fucking making noise all the time while I'm trying to drop acid and watch movies. I feel like if you're on acid, you don't really hear outside noises. Oh, yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. Yeah? I oh, never yeah. dropped acid, so I don't know. I feel like you just, like, go to this another world. Just don't stare into the mirrors. I don't like the sound of that. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> he said that he shared a bathroom with them and that they left it a mess, usually with the toilet paper hanging out of the toilet and shit on the back of the seat. They expl- Are their buttholes exploding? You've never had an explosive shit before, Sam? No. Not that came out of the toilet. You never went to Taco Bell? I eat Taco Bell on the regular. I fucking love Taco Bell. It don't do me like that. Mm. You never painted the walls then, huh? I sure have not. Oh, I have. Mm-hmm. Nachos Belgrande, man. As somebody, oh, I don't eat the nachos Belgrande, so that makes as sense. As somebody who makes a doo-doo cleans, El Grande. As, as somebody who cleans our house, I can attest to that. <laughs> I can attest to fucking that. Pigs. Yeah, fucking pigs. Whole lot of pigs. Christian gets it. Yeah, I do. I'm with it. Keep going, Butch. Don't don't give her any ideas. <laughs> You picked this topic. You're giving her the ideas. I did. When asked about Dawn, he he describes her as a fat fuck who played her music too loud. She's a fat fuck who can't turn down the goddamn radio. He is really selling that he did not yeah. do the murders. He's really <laughs> he's, selling he's re- it. He really tried to be like, I love my family, and then like, a day later. Fuck those pieces of shit. He said that when he yelled at her to turn it down, his father would intervene and hit him. He had nothing nice. He had nothing to say about Allison either. When asked about his grandfather, Michael Brigante Sr., Butch called him a, quote, cheap bastard and said that he took advantage of him and stole from him any chance he got by coming in late to work or leaving early. Love that. What a guy. What a guy. Interestingly, his family had just been killed. You would think someone who wouldn't be focusing on all the negative on that point. His uh, police told him that they found the murder weapon and the ammo. They said that his family was determined to have been killed between 3 and 4 a.m., so they could not have been killed while Butch was at work. Butch then told one of many stories of what happened that night. He said that Louis Fellini had an accomplice murder his family and forced him to watch. Yeah, one thing about Butch that I have to say, uh, preface before we go any further, his story changes at least 50 fucking times. And even when he's in jail, like up until the day he died, his story just kept changing. 
like constantly. Like, there's some prison interviews that I'll, I'll post on the Instagram because I, I didn't pull the clips before this episode, but it is just fucking insane. Investigators then asked if he was forced to take part in the murders. They asked if the two men forced him to get his hands dirty, so to speak, and kill one of his family members. Butch put his head in his hands and told the investigators to give him a minute. He then said that Louis Fellini and the accomplice weren't there that night and it didn't happen that way. Jesus. By the next day, Ronald DeFeo Jr. had confessed to the crime. He told the police, quote, once I started, I just couldn't <coughs> stop. It's, murdering it your so family fast. is not fucking like Pringles, man. Once you pop, you can't stop? Once you pop, you can't stop. I was with you on it. I like my murder sour cream and onion flavored, personally. Really? That's the one you like? That's the one I like. Pizza flavored. I, yep. Yeah. Pizza flavored murder. Y'all are sad. Pizza Pringles suck. You suck. No. No, no, no. The, the best Pringles are honey mustard flavored. I do like honey mustard ones. Yeah. Those are good. Don't okay. they have a spicy honey mustard one, too? I haven't had it if they do. I feel like there is a spicy honey mustard Pringle. Yeah, well, uh, not in the Pringle world. Another chip brand. Really? Yeah, Voodoo what? has a spice. I fucking love Voodoo chips. Oh, yeah, they are great. DeFeo's criminal trial began in October of 1975. It captured detention for two reasons. The sheer brutality of his crime and the unusual details surrounding the defense. Butch's court-appointed lawyer, William Weber. Weber? There's one B, so Weber. He will what the be, fuck ever. He will be important in the next episode. Wiener. Also. William Wiener. Wiener. His name is Will Wiener. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Where there is a will, there is a Wiener. Sorry, I'm going to go You're not exactly this. wrong there. Yeah. Jack Daniels has something else to say about that. Because <laughs> there is no, there is a will, but there is no Wiener. Why you got me like that, man? Aries is like, what? <laughs> I just got what that meant. <laughs> why are you Why are you gonna fucking out me like that, bro? It's not cool, man. I'm about to go get a damn 35 caliber and shoot some people in the back tonight. You can come to my house. He doesn't know where I live. <laughs> can I lock you out of the bedroom like the cats? <laughs> Maybe. I'll sleep on the couch with the cats. That's fine. The kitties. So, William Weaver built a case claiming that Butch was an insane man who killed his family, quote, in self-defense because of the demonic voices in his head. Is this self-defense in air quotes? Because I feel like it needs I to be. I feel like this whole defense is in air quotes. <laughs> That's Every story Butch tells is, is in quotations. Yeah. <laughs> is it air quotes? <laughs> they all need this. Uh. Many scoffed at the insanity at the insanity defense, which, as they should. So there's some major scoffing that needs to happen. I don't know, man. I mean, he is insane, but I think he was insane, and there was evil spirits. But well, I digress. I think he's just fucking nuts. 
But I don't think he's... Oh, maybe he is homicidally nuts, but like... Well, the, sh- I don't know. the shrink told his parents he's going to kill you if you don't get him committed. Well, And he then, did not disappoint. Well, We no. do like when things come to fruition. It's just like the gypsy said. I bet said. the DeFeos would differ. Mm. I bet they'd be with the de- Instead of the gypsy, it replaced it with therapists. Yeah. Damn. <laughs> and you paid them. Most of the gypsies were just like, five do- five dollars, please. Your son's going to kill you. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. A therapist like, it's going to take us six sessions at $100 before I tell you what's yeah, going to happen. We, we, we got to peel the onion back a little bit before <laughs> oh, I no. reveal everything to you. Yeah, one layer at a time. I feel like there's many layers to Ronald DeFeo Jr. And they're all cuckoo. Does yeah. he grow the little brown hairs? Make them all I was going to say all the layers are some brown shit in a bowl. Oh. <laughs> that was that was the uh, the apex of it. That was uh, his breaking point. Brown shit in the bowl. I'm murdering uh, everyone. Yeah. I, as somebody who likes to cook, I can understand brown shit in a bowl probably would make me very upset too. Not mom was out there fishing shit out not, of the septic tank and cooking it for dinner. It was fucking awful. The whole house smelled like shit. My brothers were shitting all over the house. I had enough. Maybe that's the reason why it was we're shitting de- on the back of the toilet. It was self-defense on my <laughs> sensory organs. Jesus. Multiple people who knew Butch at the time told the New York Times the problem wasn't evil spirits, but rather the defendants' issues with drugs and alcohol. Evil spirits. Well, if you drop enough acid, you'll go crazy, so. Oh, I'm sure. And doesn't that shit, like, stay in your spinal cord or some shit like that? Yeah, that's what they say. I've never I've never had any issues. Uh, I wouldn't know. I've never done those drugs before, so. Mm. I got no skin in that game. Jurors also weren't swayed by the claims, and they convicted him on six counts of second-degree murder. He was sentenced to spend life up to life behind bars, which I wonder why it was second degree. Is it because it was like, I mean, I guess it maybe not have been premeditated. I don't know. I don't really remember the difference between think, first and I second. I don't think it was. Uh, I think he just got a wild hair up his ass and just did it. Yeah. The difference between first and second is premeditation, right? I think so. Truthfully, I think he was in a drug fueled state. Could be. And, that, and that's what did it. That, uh, that's probably why it got I think first degree murder is where you actually, it's not an accident and you just yeah, premeditated. Like, yeah, premeditated. Yeah. That makes sense. I can't remember. It's the same thing with like schedules. Like when they schedule like drugs, they put yeah. like the harsher drugs towards the front. So Except schedule weed. ones. Weed is a schedule one. Yeah. Is it really? Yes. Mm. Guess what a schedule four is? Ecstasy, right? Ecstasy is in that yeah, schedule four. I don't, I don't know about that, but anyway, it's right there with like heroin and meth. That's well, a schedule four. No, I believe so. I, no, I no, no. Those are like schedule two. Off, off air, I'll look it up, and or if somebody wants to comment what it is, I'm pretty. I feel like it's a schedule four. I feel like it's up there. No, but schedule like, so really, one is the top. Yeah, schedule one is the worst. So they go one and then down. Yeah. yeah. 
So what is weed? A schedule one? Yeah. It's one of the worst. Yeah, that's what they say. What? I know Salem. I don't understand it either. That just like blew my fucking mind. Salem wants to know what catnip is. <laughs> it's, it's, it's whatever you want, baby. We give it to you. We're going to give you some here in a little bit so you'll go to sleep sleep. It knocks him out. It riles Nala up. No, it makes Salem drool on himself and it's really funny. Nala's a freaking crackhead. Mm. That's how Lucy is. Well, she's a crackhead naturally. Yeah. <laughs> All right. However, the Amityville murders case was far from over. There were still plenty mysteries surrounding the case. Authorities had no idea how all six victims had died in their sleep without a struggle. Another thing that puzzled them was that none of the neighbors had heard gunshots, despite the fact that DeFeo did not use a suppressor. DeFeo claimed to have drugged his family's dinner. Experts noted that a long time had passed between the meal and the family's deaths. Perhaps most chillingly, the killer's motive remained uncertain. And there were no drugs in their system. No. So I think he's full of shit with how he drugged them. Yeah. He's fucking spinning a yarn. Well, he's, um, what is it? Not Henry Lee Lucas. Is that the one that's just like, oh, yeah, did that and that one and that. And I did that too. And, oh, that was that way. And Butch DeFeo is a pathological liar, clearly. I mean, so is Henry Lee Lucas. Yeah. Though it's clear that DeFeo had many issues with his father. It baffled many that he would go after the rest of his family members, especially his youngest siblings. And considering the fact that Butch would change his story multiple times in prison, he shed very little light on the haunting mystery. Butch would go on to say that a demonic female figure with black hands wearing a black hood handed him the murder weapon. Yeah, I think they even touched on that in one of the movies, like a a dark figure handed the rifle. It definitely wasn't the the version of Amityville Horror that I've seen. I'm pretty sure I've seen both the original and the uh, remake one with Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, that one was good. I think it was Ryan Reynolds one I saw. There's only two, right? Yeah, but I mean, I want to say that there's been a couple other documentaries and shit that I've seen. That might be what I'm confusing that with. We have like a whole like, there's like Amityville one, two, three, and something else too. Yeah. We have the whole little, like, I've watched so many fucking thing. documentaries and movies on this shit in the last, like, two weeks. <laughs> it's all starting to blur together. Butch admitted he was under the influence of drugs in the TV room at the time. Butch also eventually admitted to drinking a fifth of scotch daily in addition to the drugs. Oh, hell yeah, dude. Blech. According to the forensic evidence, Dawn had unburned gunpowder on her nightgown, which may indicate that she could have fired a weapon. Journalist Rick Moran gave an interview stating that years after the murders, a DEA agent contacted him. He said that the agent had the DeFeo home under surveillance and that he saw a young woman dressed in a dark hooded winter jacket leave the house that night. He described her as wearing dark gloves. 
He said that he saw her throw a rifle into her car and drive away. Moran believes that this could account for DeFeo's story about the hooded female demon with the black hands. He believes that Dawn could have killed the family and that Butch killed her. Moran also said that he was one of many reporters on the scene on the night of the murders and that he heard he'd overheard Butch's grandfather, Michael Brigante Sr., talking to him. Moran said that Michael told Butch that he didn't want to hear anything more about Dawn and that he was tired of Butch dragging the family name through the mud. Moran said that Michael told Butch that he needed to confess to the murders. When asked about whether Dawn could have killed the family, Springer said that Dawn was a, quote, bomb ready to go off because of the abuse that she'd suffered. Yeah, apparently she was getting ready to, like, fucking dipset. She wanted to, like, go to Florida or some shit with a boyfriend. Yeah, I remember hearing. I remember that. Um, he says anything could have happened and that Don could have been the killer. There are many versions of what happened in Amityville on the morning of November 13th, 1974. Ronald DeFeo Jr. has come forward with stories ranging from it being a mob hit, admitting that it was him, to female <coughs> demons and voices heard in the drug-induced fog, to his mother snapping and killing the family, to his sister Dawn being the killer and him having to kill her in self-defense. Through the years, it's been questioned how six people were killed in their beds and no one heard any gunshots. Was the family drugged? Did Butch have an accomplice? He said in a prison interview that he doesn't know why no one believes his stories because they're all fucking different. How is, there's no consistency no, to anything he says. Literally none. How could you have so many different stories about and one? Do you want to know my opinion on that? I think he was so fucked up. He doesn't know which is he true. He doesn't know what the fuck happened. That That's plausible. Then why not just say, I uh, don't know? Because think, he's been interviewed so many times that it's like he's desensitized. Just making, he's just yeah. making something well, up. Well, I also be, partially think his granddad... Told him, take the fucking fall for this shit. Yeah, I mean. Take the fucking rap, get the family's name out of the news, and just fucking go away. Yeah, I guess. He said in a prison interview that he doesn't know why no one believes his stories. So how is it that they think he acted alone? Forensic evidence indicates that the family was asleep. Their time of death determined to be between 3 and 4 a.m., but no drugs were present in their systems, and there was no sign of a struggle. The medical examiner determined that they were all shot at close range and that Louise DeFeo did wake up and turn around just before she was shot. This indicates that the shots fired on her husband did wake her. I mean, how do you, I mean, yeah. And then, in December of 1975, damn, that's that was fast. That was a fast turnaround. Yeah, because he got convicted, like, I think. Well, the trial started in October of 1975. Yeah, I think he was convicted by November. And then the Lutz, uh, the new family moved in. I mean, it's. The so they probably is, put it on the market, like, right after. Because he would have oh, been yeah, the I last mean, one. Yeah, I'm sure the. The, I'm sure they made like a quick sale. Yeah. Yeah. 
if that was a thing back in the 70s. I don't know. But yeah, the Lutzes moved in on what date? It just says December 1975. Yeah. So let's get into our theories about the murder. And then we'll pick up next week for the haunting. You can go first. Okay. So I'll, I'll, uh, I'll kick this off. So I don't think that any, there was any demonic shit involved. Do I think that there was an accomplice? A hundred percent. Given the fact that a DEA agent saw a woman leave with a firearm with gloves on. Do I think Don might have also been an accomplice who he killed later on? Yeah, 100%. So who was the woman? We'll never know. Because Butch DeFeo is dead. Yeah. Is he? Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. He so died he in that, prison. He shit to his grave. Yep. We'll never know. But uh, as fun as it would be to say demons fucking held the family down while he worked his way through the house and shot them all and nobody ever heard a gunshot go off. It makes for good Hollywood. It's a great fucking story, I tell you. That can't play into next week's at all. No, could never. No. Wait, you're telling me that the story doesn't end and we have a part two? We have a part two. But wait, there's more. There's more. So what what do you ladies think? I'm gonna go opposite from you and I think that I don't think there was an accomplice. I think that Robert DeFeo had a lot of things going on. Mm-hmm. There was a lot. There was a lot to unpack, as Sam would say. I'm using one <laughs> of her key phrases. There's a lot to unpack. There's a lot to unpack there. there I mean it's a lot. Yeah. We don't have time to unpack all um, that. We don't. Uh, but I think that he had a lot of negativity mm-hmm. towards his own family. And well, he hated his father. Yes. But I don't understand. There was a, like a, a, a hate, I need you kind of thing because he worked for him. So he, I think he felt well, obligated he, to. Hold on. He felt obligated to because he was. The only way he was passing his probation was because his father was doing it, and I don't know if it was out of I care about you or if it was out of, like, I feel sorry for you, which probably fueled his negativity more. And then Don was giving him piss for his piss test. Yes. But I don't think that she was involved in... I'm going to defer from you with the accomplice. I think one night in a drug-fueled moment, he just lashed out he just lost who he was for a second he went time traveling and he like you said does not remember what the fuck he did because he was so drug fueled i mean they even said that he was doing he was doing lsd he was drinking and doing heroin he he was drinking a a fifth a day yeah that's impressive nobody knows that's a lot nobody's gonna know what they're doing when they're doing those kind of drugs number one number two that's not even mentioning the mental illness that this dude had as a child and going into adulthood and the fact that he's 23 and living with his parents that's a whole nother issue and he tried to live on his own it's just he failed every fucking time 
He no. is one of those people that cannot live on their own he because should've... he does he does not physically have the ability to these are like a lot of things with like narcissists. Like they, they don't have the physical ability to be able to be like, this is something that I have to control. They put it on the other person that is oh, yeah. their fault that I'm in this position. It's my parents' fault that it's my position that I'm in right now that I have to live with them and live paycheck to paycheck. They don't see it as like, oh, my parents are awesome. The fact that they're letting me live with them and my dad's writing me a paycheck so I can give it to my probation officer that I'm working for him or, you know, whatever. I don't know what their relationship was, but it sounds like it was him more negatively affected by his father than the other way around. I would, I don't, Well, I would also I think say... He, I think he full-on, in a drug-filled rage, shot his entire family and doesn't remember or made up all these stories because he doesn't remember. And Big Ronnie did enjoy beating the shit out of the family. And he yeah, really and liked to beat... Yeah, that caused a lot of issues. And he really liked to beat the shit out of Butch DeFeo. Mm-hmm. Like, a lot. Which is why he wanted to keep him around. It was, it was a toxic... Uh, relationship, For and sure. that may and that may be the case, but the fact is that this kid is the only surviving member of his family, and he has the motive. He has the motive. It, he had the means. He had the means, and he had the opportunity. And yep. guess what? When those three are combined, Captain Planet is is Captain Murder. Captain Murder is is summoned. And I feel like if you have those three, those are things that are going to happen. It doesn't matter if he's a terrible person, a a good person or whatever. But if you put all those together. So you think he acted on his own? Yeah. If you sprinkle in some drugs and some childhood trauma together with the drugs and disdain for your family. I mean, obviously in the interview when he talks about his family, he doesn't like them. Everybody has things they don't like about their family. He but didn't like a I would thing. never if my family was murdered, I would never be like, Oh, my brother's shit all over the fucking toilet or say things like that. I would be beside myself if my yeah. entire family was murdered. I wouldn't you wouldn't even be able to, to talk to me. I wouldn't be able to be no. consoled. No. You what would have you, to you would have to interview me in stages. So what do you think, Sue? Accomplice or did he act on his own? I fall somewhere in between the two of you. Okay. Do I think the DEA the DEA agent saw someone leaving the house with the rifle? Yes, because that's what he said. Yeah. Um. Do I think Butch acted alone in the house? Yes. Do I think it was drug induced? Absolutely. Uh, I think everything that he had been going through and all of the heavy drug use and the heavy drinking came to a helm and it just snapped and it was, that was it. He, I agree, well, not maybe, maybe not agree, but like, I believe Butch when he said, once I started, I couldn't stop. I believe that. Because when you have that much, like, this pent-up rage, where was that going to go? He didn't have a healthy outlet no. to let out his anger. He Drugs. didn't have... Yeah. Drugs were his only healthy outlet. He didn't have... <laughs> I don't think that's a very healthy outlet. No, but it was his only, like, This is only, yeah. yeah. 
He didn't have a therapist because his parents refused to take him to one. His friends didn't seem like I feel I feel like his friends on some level were afraid of Butch. Mm-hmm. So they weren't going to open that can of worms. He had no that when that pot bubbled over, it fucking exploded. Yeah. And I think he at the risk of making baseless accusations, I think that <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. That's fucking good shit. <laughs> uh and there's the Scorpio that we know. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, so you don't think it's demons? No. I mean, I think it's his personal demons. Yeah. Do I think it's an actual demon sent from hell? I mean, well, not actually. I think his own personal demons took over and that pot bubbled over. And he just fucking went postal. You know what? I agree on that one. I... I Definitely think he was in a drug fugue mm-hmm. and something fucking happened. Mm-hmm. The fact that there is a woman leaving the house in dark clothing with black gloves on. And he says a demon with black hands handed him the rifle. That could be. It couldn't have been Dawn because she was already dead by or, then, right? Or was this. No, Did, we don't. Does, we don't know don't, what time. We don't know when it was. We know it happened that night, but we don't know it, it exactly what time. It was between three and four in the morning. I'm willing That's to bet that hour. that wasn't dawn. Then, yeah, could it have but been the girlfriend? Maybe the, un, the unburned gunpowder on dawn is the only thing that makes me like suspicious. Yeah, because that means she fired a rifle. Right. Maybe she fired one at him and thought he was dead. Well, there was no sign of a struggle. She was everybody in the family was shot on their stomach, so they were all in bed laying on their stomachs, and everybody got shot. It feels kind of Jonestowny to me. Yeah, it, it, with it a mix of Teddy Cabin. It feels very strange. It's very strange. There, there's very strange things afoot. In yeah, this I murder. can't. I can't explain. It's the house. That. There's no self defense. <laughs> no. He, there's no, there, I am so happy that everyone saw through this little self-defense oh, bullshit. Oh, no, no, I'm talking about, like, the family having any self-defense wounds. Or oh, any, oh, yeah. right, 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 right. They, they, they just all laid there. Like, something was. Yeah, they had no keeping idea. Keeping them held down. No, I think it was they were asleep. But the fact that no, nobody I, heard I just, that a, just doesn't sit right with the non-existent soul a I have. Marlin 35 caliber is one of the loudest fucking guns. It's a lever action rifle. So the, it's like that. Yeah, yeah. It's, right. It, it's a loud fucking gun. And then you have to pull the lever every time you want to shoot it. Yeah. It's an ear ringer. So the fact that no neighbors heard it. The and only that thing, Butch wasn't like incapacitated at some yeah. level. His I mean, ears he would be fucking ringing. I mean, he was on drugs and had been, he drank yeah, a fifth of scotch. That's not so. going to stop your ears from fucking like. No, but it might make you ignore it. <coughs> Maybe. I ignore a lot of shit when I'm drunk. Yeah. yeah. Like red flags. That I, I have seen. Oh. Okay. You've seen me? No, I've seen you drunk. Yes. But not in the presence of a red flag. No, no, no. no. Unless you want to count homie like I almost fun. 
Uh, yeah. He was well, the you red saw flag. that red flag. <laughs> that, was, that was more than a red flag. That was a. I, in that case, I was the red flag, and he wasn't. That here. was the he pirate, wasn't me. pirate flag, and then he put up immediately put that one down and put up the white flag. He wasn't giving up. You were like, uh, no. Because I was trying to save him from himself, which I wouldn't normally was trying do. To save, she was trying to save him from me. Yes. <laughs> My oh. normal MO is like, let's <laughs> do, do it, do it, do it. <laughs> oh, but I was trying to be the good person. And you should, uh, and everybody should always try to be the good person. Don't but, be a Robert, Robert DeFeo. Yeah, don't be a. <laughs> don't, don't be a butch. Don't be a Ronnie DeFeo. No, no don't be him. No, but no, don't yeah, <laughs> guys, thank you for joining us for part one of the Amityville Horror. Uh, next week, we'll pick up with the Lutzes moving in. Mm-hmm. Oh, the next family. Yes. Oh, I hope they have a much better time in this house. I guarantee you it'll be a scream. I heard they got it on a steal. So <laughs> I can't imagine why. <laughs> no. But, yeah. Um, Christian, if you would like to drop the socials for us. We love you guys so much, and we are excited to be in another year of Creeps in the Crips. I know. It's the start of a whole new year. I know. I'm excited. Um, we did end it or begin it with another cold case, So, but now we're back into... We're taking a little break from, from true crime after this episode. We're back into our normally scheduled paranormal... Yeah, we're... we're Doing a kind of a deviation. This this case kind of blends the true crime in with the paranormal. It's yeah. a good transition episode. So, and then we got a whole bunch of other fun paranormal stuff. And we also have a creepy's birthday that's coming up. Oh yeah, Christian's birthday is coming up. Yes, our favorite creepy. Yes, mm, yes. And uh, make sure you guys are following the Facebook, the Instagram, the TikTok. Make sure you guys. We love your reviews yeah yes. those are so nice to hear Leave we actually really reviews. enjoy those um so please make sure you guys are doing that if you guys follow us on apple Podcasts, it does give you a way to review us spotify does as well so make sure you guys give us five stars and let us know what you think about the show number two also make sure you guys are if you have any suggestions please let us know we do have this year for the most part planned out but we're always down to it's here. It's pretty anything. much locked down except for we, November and December. Well, then there you go. Uh, but we love you guys, and we'll see you in part two. Bye. Stay creepy, everyone.